Good morning, brothers and sisters in Christ. Okay, a blessed Sunday to all of you once again. Indeed, um, time flies fast. It seems that, you know, we are just getting used to 2022 as we are trying to get back to the new normal. And then three months more, it is already 2023, 2023. Ang bilis talaga, no? No, for those, of, uh, for those among um, you who are here in the sanctuary, we are glad that you can join us in our face-to-face worship. And for those who are joining us naman, di ko alam saan camera pupunta titingin, malamang sa gitna. For those who are joining us online, we are glad that you are tuned in with us. And we hope that um, you can eventually join us here in our sanctuary this year, especially that Christmas is already coming soon, and we hope that we can celebrate it together with you. So, for all of us joining here in our worship, both here and online, we welcome all of you. Today, we'll be starting a new series which will stretch on until Christmas, and uh, it will again be in one of the prophetic books of the Old Testament. You know, ever since we've set a goal to go through all the books of Scripture in the next 10 years, okay, we've gone through this mga prophetic books that we were not used to, and it's a challenge. But at the same, way, at the same time, it is a blessing to learn from them. And uh, the book that we'll be learning today is the book of the prophet Isaiah. Now, you know, the book of Isaiah is such an interesting book to study. And I believe many of the verses, when you read it, might sound very familiar to you. Why does it sound familiar? Because actually, Isaiah is the second most quoted Old Testament book in the New Testament. 55 times the verses from Isaiah were used in the Gospels and the Epistles. In fact, many of the Bible verses you memorize, I, I believe some of them comes from Isaiah because they are beautifully written. And actually, if you are aspiring to be a Bible scholar, meron ba dito? Aspiring to be a Bible scholar? Nako, wala. Dapat next time meron na makita at least one or two Bibles, aspiring to be Bible scholars here. The book of Isaiah is also an interesting field of study, especially because, you know, they have found, next slide, they have found an intact copy of Isaiah among the Dead Sea Scrolls, which is known as the Great Isaiah Scroll. When they discovered the Dead Sea Scrolls, it was full of fragments, maliliit lang, but there's one whole scroll, and that is the great Isaiah scroll, the only nearly complete biblical book surviving among the Dead Sea Scrolls, which are dated as early as 2nd century BC, okay? which, make the, which makes this the oldest surviving copy of our Bible. So yeah, if you want to be a Bible scholar, you want to study more of Isaiah, well, you can fly to Israel and you will find it in one of the museums there and you can study it. But for now, we will settle with our English translations, which actually, according to the great Isaiah scroll, are quite accurate. Yes, they checked it and they saw that the, the, the copies that we have today are quite the same accurate to what we have here, the great Isaiah scroll. And so, the very first verse of the book tells us of when the prophet Isaiah ministered to the people of God. It says in verse 1, the vision of Isaiah, the son of Amos, 
which he saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem in the days of Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah, kings of Judah. Now, this tells us that Isaiah's ministry happened during the time of the divided kingdom. Alam niyo, northern and southern kingdom, Israel and Judah. And Isaiah's ministry was directed to the southern kingdom of Judah. And, um, but let me note that, you know, Isaiah's visions and prophecies were not only limited to the people of his time, but even after. For the latter half of Isaiah's book were prophecies directed to God's people both during, during the exile and even after the exile. Let me be clear, huh? Isaiah was before the exile, but his prophecies were also for during the exile and even after. This makes Isaiah quite unique because his prophecies extended even after his lifetime. Yes, patay na siya, and yet he's still ministering to the people, which makes him a pre-exilic, exilic, and post-exilic prophet. Now, you know, as grand as that may sound, let me remind everyone that it is never easy to be a prophet of God. Hindi mabilis maging pastor, mas mahirap 10 times, 100 times maging prophet of God. Why? Because they are God's covenant enforcers. Kumbaga, they are God's covenant police. And I'm sure many of us here or all over the world don't like their police, tama ba? But that is their job. They tell the people if they are breaking the covenant of God. They are God's whistleblowers. They pronounce God's judgment against these covenant breakers to their own people. They are the bearers of bad news. And sino may gusto ng bearers of bad news, tama ba? Nobody wants those. Nobody wants a party pooper. Nobody wants to be told that they are wrong. And nobody wants to be judged even by their own God. Paano pa kaya ako nanggaling sa messenger ni God? No? And yet, that is the painful task of a prophet. And that is what we hear Isaiah declaring to the people of God, even at the very first chapter of the book, that they have sinned against the Lord and God's judgment awaits them. They have sinned against the Lord and God's judgment awaits them. But you know, judgment is always only one side of every prophet's message. Judgment is only one side of every prophet's message. On the other side of the message is a message of hope and restoration. So it's always together, judgment and restoration. Even when the people have sinned, God promises a second chance. And so as Isaiah pronounces God's accusation and judgment against Judah's sins, he he also declares that God will restore when His people repent. So my title for today is When God Reveals Our Sin, because that's what Isaiah did. What God did through Isaiah, sorry, just to be clear. What should we do when God reveals our sin? And the answer is simply, we must repent. We must repent. And so the big idea of the opening chapter of Isaiah is simple. Simple. When God reveals our sins, we must repent. Can you repeat it with me? 
One, two, three. When God reveals our sins, we must repent. Now let us keep our Bibles open to Isaiah chapter 1. If you have your Bibles with you, I want you to open it. Even if you are joining us at home, uh, I want you guys to open your Bibles. Many from uh, chap- passages from Isaiah chapter 1 I will not be putting in our screen so you, I, because I want you guys to look at it from your Bibles. And I hope that we will learn how God deals with us and our sins and the importance of repentance. Okay? Are you guys ready? Can I see a thumbs up? Kung naka-open na kayo? Isaiah chapter 1. I hope that we'll be able to bring our Bibles, kahit electronic Bibles, okay lang. Okay, great. Now, verse 2 opens with God calling all creation, both in heaven and on earth, to bear witness to the Lord's declaration. He's calling everyone. Hey, there's an important announcement. You know, if you call everyone to hear, this tells us that what he's going to say has gravity. There's weight on what God was about to say. It's going to be enormous. It is of great importance. That's why everyone needs to hear. All creation, not just people, animals, the heavens, everything that God created. He wants all of them to hear. Why? What is He going to say? Look at verse 2 to 3. Sabi niya dito, Hear, O heavens, and give ear, O earth, for the Lord has spoken. Children have I reared and brought up, but they have rebelled against me. The ox knows its owner, and the donkey its master's crib. But Israel does not know. My people do not understand. You know, this reminds me of my elementary teacher at Hope. She always enters our classroom saying, Good morning, mammals. I'm sure some of you, mga taga-hope na magkakamalapit sa batch ko, know who I'm referring to. She always enter the room says, Good morning, mammals, with a smile. No? And the first time I heard it, you know, I thought, wait, what did she say? Ano sabi niya? Am I being compared to an animal? Well, that's not nice. But wait, she's right, I am a mammal. Of course, she meant it only as a joke and actually quite fittingly because she was our science teacher. For at the same time, medyo introduction na rin yan to the, to the uh, biology, mammals, ser- uh, reptiles, and such, you know. It served as, as, as her introduction to her subject. But here, in chapter 1, the Lord does not meant it as a joke. The Lord did, uh, does not mean it as a joke. He was dead serious. God is comparing His own children to animals. But actually, when you read it and pause and think of it, it's even worse than comparing His children to animals. He's saying that they are worse than animals. They're worse than animals. God is saying that farm animals, you know, they know their owners. Your dogs knows you. Your cats knows you. Kahit kinakalmot ka niyan, alam niya. Ikaw nagpapakain sa kanya. The donkey... Okay? The ass, you know, we say the donkey, the ass, right? Knows its master. But his own people, his own children, does not know him nor understands him. Napakalaking accusation nito, no? Napakalaking insulto nito. But actually, it's an insult to God. Why does God think this way? He tells us in the next verse. Look at your Bibles, verse 4. It says, ah, sinful people. By the way, ah is not ah, but woe. 
Woe, sinful people. It's an expression of frustration. Okay? A people laden with iniquity, offspring of evildoers, children who deal corruptly. They have forsaken the Lord. They have despised the Holy One of Israel. They are utterly estranged. God is showing His people their rebelliousness against Him. He's revealing their sin as if they were not aware of it. Why? How has the people of Judah sinned against God? How? First, they have forsaken the Lord, the Holy One of Israel, through their idolatry. In Isaiah 2 verse 8, he says, Their land is filled with idols. They bow down to the work of their hands, to what their own fingers have made. You know, they don't bow down to the fingers that made them. Yet they bow down to the, finger, to the things that they made with their fingers. That's the irony here. We also see this in 2 Kings, 2 Kings 15 verse 4. Sabajan, nevertheless, the high places were not taken away. The people still sacrificed and made offerings on the high places. Even when they were being ruled by good kings, their idolatry did not stop them. Uh, their idolatry did not stop. They continued to worship idols. So that one, idolatry. Aside from idolatry, they also broke covenant by disobeying God's laws. In Isaiah 2 verse 6, it says, For you have rejected your people, the house of Jacob, because they are full of things from the east. Next. And of fortune tellers like the Philistines, that they, and they strike hands with the children of foreigners. What does this mean? It means that instead of trusting in their own God for their security, they were being attacked. Actually, it's God's punishment to them. As, but instead of trusting God for their security, they relied on fortune tellers, which was forbidden by God. That's, and also, they relied on pagan nations like Egypt, like Assyria, for protection instead of trusting in God, even to the point of defiling God's temple. In 2 Kings 16, verse 7 to 8, Sabadito, as Ahaz, so Ahaz sent messages to Tiglath-Pileser, king of Assyria, saying, I am your servant and your son. Come up and rescue me from the hand of the king of Syria and from the hand of the king of Israel who are attacking me. Ahaz also took the silver and gold that was found in the house of the Lord and in the treasures of the king's house and sent a present to the king of Assyria. He gave the gold in the house of God as payment for the protection of Assyria. Idolatry, disobedience, dishonoring God. And not only that, not only did they commit idolatry or sin against God, they also commit injustices against one another. Look at your Bibles in verse 23. It says there, Your princes are rebels and companions of thieves. Everyone loves a bribe and runs after gifts. They do not bring justice to the fatherless, and the widow's cause does not come to them. They were ignoring the people whom they are supposed to take care of as long as they're getting rich, as long as they're living comfortably. Truly, what we see here is that Judah is like their brothers in the northern kingdom. They are a rebellious people, rebelling against their God. 
But how did their sin affect their life? And Isaiah verse 1, look at verse 7. It says there, Your country lies desolate. Your cities are burned with fire. Your very presence, foreigners devour your land. It is desolate as overthrown by foreigners. Now, as we have learned before, for every sin, there is consequence. And the consequence of Judah's sin here was clear. Whether the people realizes it or not, there was no peace in their land. Enemies attacked them north and south. This was the Lord's initial judgment against Judah. Initial pa lang yan. He's still withholding the more severe judgment. Why? Why? Because God is merciful. God is giving them a chance. That is why in verse 9, look at verse 9. It's very interesting. If the Lord of hosts had not left us a few survivors, we should have been like Sodom and become like Gomorrah. And we know what happened to Sodom and Gomorrah, right? They were completely destroyed. But the, the Judah was not. That means we see the mercy of God. You know, God is just, just and punishes sin. But if you are still alive and God is revealing to you your sins, just as He did to Judah, then actually, God is showing you mercy. Tama ba? Kung buhay ka pa, okay ka pa, and pinakita si God sa'yo, hey, you're sinning, and this will destroy you. What do you call that? Hate or mercy? Mercy. Kung pinapagalitan tayo, yung feeling natin is parang, ay, galit yung tao sa atin. But actually, when God is correcting us, He is showing us mercy. God reveals to us our sin because He is merciful. It means He has not dealt you His full judgment and is giving you a second chance. So with this, brothers and sisters, let me ask you, what sins or sins are God revealing to you today? What sins are God revealing to you today? God might reveal it to you through His Word during one of your quiet times. He might reveal it to you through your spouse, through your parents, or your Christian friends. Through Christians, by the way, because many people say they're Christians, but their life does not show it. God may be revealing to you your sins through this sermon or through your life group leader or your accountability partner or your prayer partner or through your church leaders. How would you then respond? If God is revealing to you, us our sin, then we must not harden our hearts, nor should we take it against God or against the people whom God sent to reveal it to us. Instead, we must listen. We must heed God's warning. God reveals our sins to us not because He's so angry that He wants to destroy it. No, because He is so merciful and is giving us a chance to repent. Brothers and sisters in Christ, are we heeding God's warning when we, He reveals our sins to us? Or when He reveals our sins to us, he neg we neglect God and His Word. We try to rationalize our sins. Ay, okay lang yan. Makalumang thinking na yan, ng sin na yan. Okay na yan ngayon. 
Are we giving ourselves an excuse to indulge in our sinful desires? I hope not. I hope we're not taking God's mercy for granted. He reveals our sins to us because He is showing us mercy. And remember, when God reveals our sins, we must repent. You know, sadly, God's people do not understand that repentance is God's expected response when He reveals our sins to us. Instead, they continue, we continue to indulge in our sins, thinking that, you know, there's always a way, to, uh, 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 a, a way to work around it under God's covenant. And that's what the people of God kept thinking. In verse 11, look at your Bibles. It says here, What to me is the multitude of your sacrifices, says the Lord? I have had enough of burnt offerings of rams and the fat of well-fed beasts. I do not delight in the blood of bulls or of lambs or of goats. You know, God's people thought that their offering and the sacrificial system of Leviticus, that their sins can be forgiven after doing that, and that they can continue to indulge in their sinful life. Kala nila, ah, nag-sacrifice naman ako eh. Ah, okay lang, I give my grain offering, burnt offering, I can do whatever I want after that. But here we see that God rejects their sacrifices. He's not pleased with them. Even if they offer Him the best of the best of the livestock, the fat of the well-fed beasts, sabi nga dito, basically God is telling them, Wag you man yan, never mind. I don't like it. He's rejecting their offering. It's like you coming here in worship service and then God telling you, you know, you being here means nothing to me. Your tithes, your offerings, this wonderful sanctuary means nothing. That's what God is telling Israel. Their worship means nothing to God. In fact, God is insulted. Baliktad pa. Hindi lang siya means nothing. I am insulted, sabi niya. God is insulted with the hypocrisy of His people's worship. Look at verse 13 to 14. Look at your Bibles. Sabi niya dito, Bring no more vain offerings. Incense is an abomination to me. Your new moon and Sabbath, which are their festivals, and the calling of convocation, sabi ni God, I cannot endure it. I cannot endure iniquity and solemn assembly. Your new moons, your appointed feasts, my soul hates. They have become a burden to me. I am weary of bearing them. Imagine that. Imagine, think God, you know, we coming here, wanting to please God yung pala in the heart of God. Lalo lang bumibigat yung loob niya kung nakikita niya tayo dito. Imagine if that is the case. Even their prayers. Verse 15, look at your Bible. Sabi niya, when you spread out your hands, I will hide my eyes from you. And even though you make many prayers, I will not listen. Your hands are full of blood. God refuses to look to an unrepentant worshiper. He does not listen to an unrepentant prayer. Even when all people see our hands lifted, wow, ang, sobrang ano niya, faithful niya, passionate niya kay God. No. When God sees our repentant hearts, He sees dirty hands. Unacceptable to Him. 
No wonder Pastor Redman, Matt Redman, wrote the song, Give us clean hands, give us pure hearts. Kasi yun yung kailangan ni God eh. That's what God wants from us. Clean hands, pure hearts. Now let me ask us the questions. How are we like the Israelites of Judah? How many times have we entered into worship bringing our sinful and indu- sinful desires and indulgences in the presence of God, thinking simply, I don't forgive the man only God, the church ako today, and He will accept my worship. And then we do it again. How many times have we mistreated someone in our home, our school, our office, and even in our ministry and come to worship thinking God is happy with us? How many times have we been ignoring our struggling neighbor and that helpless beggar on the sidewalk while on the way to church bearing our gifts to God, thinking He is pleased with our offering? Oh, I cannot even count the times I have done that. Brothers and sisters, worship and sacrifice are not the solution to sin. They are not. Repentance is. Look at your Bibles, verse 16 to 18. Sabi niya, wash yourselves, make yourselves clean, remove the evil of your deeds from before my eyes, cease to do evil, learn to do good, seek justice, correct oppression, bring justice to the fatherless, plead the widow's cause. Come now, let's reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they shall become like wool. Forgiveness comes with repentance. That's what Isaiah is saying here. What God is saying through Isaiah. When God reveals our sins to us, He does not want us to attend worship. He wants us to first repent. When God reveals our sins to us, He does not want us to go to prayer meeting or to life group or to make, am- or, or, or to make amends for our sins by doing good to others. He wants us to? He wants us to? Repent. When God reveals our sins to us, He does not want us to go to a mission trip or do a good deed para makabawi. He wants us to repent. And when we repent, God says, Come, though your sins are like as dark as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. God's forgiveness comes when God's people repent of their sins. Not when they come to worship. Not when they attend prayer meetings. Not even when they make disciples. God's forgiveness comes when they live as disciples by repenting of their sins. Brothers and sisters, worship and sacrifice are not the solution to sin. Repentance is. That is why when God reveals our sins, we must repent. When God reveals our sins, we must repent. Ang bilis sabihin, ang hirap gawin. And it is. How many times, you know, I have repeated this big idea, you know, and you might already be thinking, wait lang, Pastor, is Isaiah teaching salvation and forgiveness by human effort and not by grace? 
Ako kasi nandito ako by grace eh. Well, let's continue on and let's see. As we have seen earlier, the sins of Judah encompasses all people, including their leaders. No? That is why God described Judah in verse 6, sabi niya, as a body that is sick from head to the toes. Then here in the final section of chapter 1, God is pointing out that the best of the people have become the worst. That means yung mga leaders who are expected, uh, the, the, point, the leaders that they have pointed who are supposed to be the one to lead the people in living in righteousness, fulfilling the covenant, are actually the one leading people to sin. Look at verse 21 to 23, sabi niya, How the faithful city has become a whore. She who was full of justice, righteousness lodged in her, but now murderers. Your silver have become dross, the best, your best wine mixed with water. Your princes are rebels and companion of thieves. The whole body was sick from head to toe. So what does God plan to do with Judah when the kings and the princes are the ones who are corrupt and are able to lead the people to live according to the covenant? What does he do? He removes them. He removes them. Look at 25 to 26. I will turn my hand against you. I will smelt away your dross as with lie and remove all your alloy. And I will restore your judges as at first and your counselors as at the beginning. He will remove the corrupt leaders and God will establish new ones. Afterward, you shall be the, called the city of righteousness, the faithful city. God removes these corrupt leaders who are unable to lead the people to live in righteousness and replaces them with people who can. They will lead the people in repentance and God will restore His people back to, the, to becoming the people of blessing. But those who are not willing to submit and continue in their rebellious ways, God will destroy. Verse 27 to 28, look at your Bible. Sabi niya, Zion shall be redeemed by justice as those in her who repent by righteousness. But rebels and sinners shall be broken, and those who forsake the Lord shall be consumed. Yes, mga kapatid, God will destroy their wicked kings and raise up someone who will lead the people in repentance. He will raise up someone who will lead the people in repentance. And the book of Isaiah is filled, filled with promises of that someone whom God will raise up to lead his people. It's in chapter 9, verse 6 to 7. Something that we always read during Christmas. Sabi niya, for to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor. Sabi niya, he will raise up a counselor, di ba? Counselors? Here, a wonderful counselor. Mighty God, everlasting peace, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. And on the throne of David's kingdom, to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. In the time of Isaiah, God is already telling them, I will remove your leaders and I will give you one who will lead you to repentance. And that is this child. And who is this child? This wonderful counselor who will establish God's kingdom and uphold it with justice and righteousness? Who is this? 
Matthew 4, verse 17. From that time, Jesus began to preach, saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And Luke 5, verse 32, he said, I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Matthew 12, verse 41, The man of Nineveh will rise up at the judgment with this generation and condemn it, for they repented at the preaching of Noah. And behold, something greater than Jonah, who spoke repentance, is here. Can you see it? Jesus is not just our Savior from the penalty of sin. He is the Savior from sin itself. He does not only offer forgiveness, but He also offers a new life which is no longer slave to sin, but slave to righteousness. That is why to receive Christ is not just to receive Him as Savior, but also as Lord who leads us in living a repentant life. And He is a Savior that frees us from the eternal death caused by sin. Yes, repentance is easier said than done. And let me tell you this, it is impossible for people like us, sinful to our very core. It is impossible. So what can we do? Repentance is only possible through the one whom God will send to empower His people to repent by dying on the cross, forgiving our sins, and giving us new life in His resurrection. Yes, when God reveals our sin, we must repent. And repentance is only possible when we put our faith in Christ and follow Him. Repentance is only possible when we put our faith in Christ and follow Him. And that is actually what discipleship is all about. To be a disciple is to live a life of constant repentance empowered by our faith in Jesus Christ. Do we always say make disciples? Are we living as disciples? Are we repenting of our sins empowered by our faith in Christ? And so to answer our previous question, is Isaiah preaching salvation and forgiveness by human effort? The answer is no. Isaiah is not teaching salvation or forgiveness through human effort. Isaiah is pointing us to the source of true repentance. And that is through the suffering servant. That is through the root of Jess. And that is through the Prince of Peace, O wonderful Counselor, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Brothers and sisters, remember that when God reveals our sins, we must repent. And to repent, we must put our faith in Christ and follow Him. UECP, I hope we will not turn a blind eye or ignore God when He is revealing our sins to us. Why? Because He does so in mercy. And when He does, let's remember that He wants us to repent. And when He wants us to repent, He wants us to come to His Son, Jesus Christ, the only King who can lead us to a life of repentance and eternal life. Repentance is only possible through Jesus. When God reveals our sins, we must repent. And to repent, 
We must follow Christ. Shall we pray? Father in heaven, we just want to thank you for today. We thank you for this great reminder that you have given us through your prophet Isaiah. Lord, indeed, no? Prophet Isaiah, you've used him post-exilic, exilic, pre-exilic, and he's still using his message to us now, teaching us that what you desire from your people is repentance. Father, I pray that indeed as we listen to your message today, we will not harden our hearts, but instead we will heed your name as a show of your mercy to us, that you accept the chance that you give us and help us to repent, not through our own effort, but through our Lord and Savior who gave us new life. Help us, Lord, to trust in Him, to put our allegiance to Him, and to follow Him all the days of our lives as His disciples. For what we want from your people is not offering for our sins. It is repentance. And Jesus has already given the greatest offering to forgive our sins. And He is here to lead us to a life of righteousness. Father, help us to follow Him every step of the way. In His name, Amen and Amen. <laughs>